Before we begin this week's in-depth investigation, there's some news. It's competition time! The five-star review competition. All you have to do is write a five-star review for this podcast and your name will be entered into a random draw to win a one-of-its-kind prize. That's right, you could win a unique, beautiful painting on canvas created by your host, Kay Mill. So get those reviews in so you don't miss out on this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Also, before we begin, I want to give a quick plug to my podcasting friends. Check out the excellent Unbelievers podcast. And also, here's a quick promo for the excellent ghost hunting in New England. Hey, this is Will, co-host of the podcast Ghost Hunting in New England. Join me and my co-host Amelia every week as we talk about ghosts, gin, angels, shadow people, and so much more. We love hearing ghost stories from our listeners and frequently tell our favorite ones on the show. We also have great guests on the show for some interesting topics and discussion. So join us here at Ghost Hunting in New England every Wednesday night, everywhere and anywhere you listen to podcasts. And as always, happy hunting. Right, let's get started. Welcome to episode 9 of I Don't Know the Podcast, The Highgate Vampire. In 1970s London, there were reports of a strange figure in Highgate Cemetery. The reports were followed by the discovery of dead animals drained of their blood and desecrated graves. It had to be a vampire. Local magician David Ferrand said only he could destroy the vampire. But fuck you, said Bishop Sean Manchester. Only I can destroy this vampire. This led to one of the strangest and dumbest supernatural feuds ever. Listen on to find out what I don't know about the Highgate vampire. Highgate Cemetery is in a leafy and expensive part of North London and is probably best known as the final resting place of Karl Marx. But starting in 1967, something weird was going on. Something that couldn't be blamed on the enslavement of the proletariat. Two teenage girls walking home one evening claimed to have seen the dead rising from the graves. Another teenage girl living near the cemetery said she awoke with something cold and clinging in her hand that left permanent marks. Plus, there was widespread reports of a tall man in a hat walking through the area before melting into the cemetery's walls. By 1970, things were getting worse. 
animals were found dead. I'm not sure what sort of animals. The article I read didn't say. Their throats had been cut and their blood drained. Highgate Cemetery, officially opened in 1839, was once described as the most beautiful resting place in London. There are two cemeteries now, the one where Karl Marx is buried, has become a communist shrine. But the other, the older private cemetery across the road, is now a forest of graves. That's what TV presenters sounded like in the 70s. In the last few years, vandals stalking around the overgrown tombs have done over 9,000 pounds worth of damage. Statues have been swept from their pedestals and coffins disrupted and desecrated. But the general foreman of the grave diggers, William Law, who's worked here 23 years, it's worsened an already harrowing job. This plate glass type here is to cover all these concrete blocks here. That one there, that was smashed, the glass was smashed in there, and the dam has got in there, crawled through, broke open the coffin, emptied the corpse out on the floor, and took the, the metal container which the body was in. £9,000 in 1970 would be worth nearly £100,000 today. No wonder that man sounds so sad. But in the vaults of the old catacombs where Victorian families had their private sepulchres and the bodies of the long lamented were embalmed and set in coffins on the shelves, other kinds of vandalism have occurred. Down this part here, there's two tombs broken into. One on the left-hand side here, the doors are broken open. The coffin was half pulled over and a big iron stake stuck through into the coffin. The stake impaled the mummified heart. Other outrages were to follow, even more bizarre, even more violent. More violent than a stake through the heart? Last August, three schoolgirls came upon the decapitated corpse of a woman scattered across this path here, outside the tomb where it had laid for nearly a hundred years. A week later, the body was removed from the tomb twice in a single day. This desecration was utterly different to anything that had happened before in Highgate Cemetery. This time there was no lead missing from the coffin, and there were pentacles and other Satanist symbols chalked here on the walls. Jesus, that is pretty bad. August the 17th, the former associate of Mr. Manchester, Alan Farrant, who used to own this tobacconist shop in Highgate, He actually got his name wrong there. It's David Farrant decided to pay a midnight visit to the cemetery to combat the vampire once and for all. At the cemetery, Farrant was forced to enter by the back wall, as he still does today. He armed himself with a cross and stake and crouched between the tombstones waiting. A little about David Farrant, he was a local tobacconist. He also claimed to be an expert on the occult. But that night, police on the prowl for vandals discovered him. He was charged with being in an enclosed space for an unlawful purpose. But later, the Clerkenwell magistrate acquitted him. Now, in spite of all attempts by the cemetery owners to bar him, Farrant and his friends still maintain a regular vigil around the catacombs in hope of sighting either the vampire or a meeting of Satanists. 
David seems to have a bit too much time on his hands, but I guess there were only three TV channels in the 70s. We have been keeping watch in the cemetery for since my court case ended, and we have still found the signs of their ceremonies here. Have you ever seen this vampire? I have seen it, yes. I saw it last February, and I saw it on two occasions. What was it like? It took the form of a tall, grey figure, and it, about eight feet tall, and it seemed to glide off the path without making any noise. Not everyone is happy about David patrolling the cemetery and protecting them from a vampire. Well, I think they're nutcases, actually. That's my opinion. I mean, these people who come and do these sort of things, I mean, it's where well, you can't really put the words what you uh, what they're really trying to get at. But I think the best thing to do if we could catch one of these people to stop this nonsense is to get get one, put him one of these tombs, and, and lock him up and leave him there all night and see if he, in fact he can find a vampire. And David Ferrant wasn't the only person investigating this case. News of the possible vampire had reached Britain's, if not the world's, greatest vampire hunter. I am the Right Reverend Sean Manchester, Bishop of Glastonbury, an autocephalous of Catholic jurisdiction, and Primate for Ecclesia Apostolica Jesu Christi. I speak on behalf of traditional Christians everywhere. Bishop Sean Manchester certainly has given himself a lot of titles, and it must be noted that he's not a bishop in any conventional church. He's actually a bishop in what he calls the Old Catholic Church. Here he explains his belief in vampires. I absolutely believe in the existence of vampires. There's no question or doubt in my mind. It's part of my theology because if I'm to believe in angels, I'm believed, I must believe in fallen angels and these are called demons. And if I believe in the supernatural, and I do, and if I believe in what the Bible teaches, which I do, then to believe in vampires is just a small part of that. Sean was convinced there was a vampire in Highgate and it was up to no good. As far as we know, it has only physically attacked one male person who has passed by the gate, but there are others who amply attest to being visited by it in their beds at night. Only one person attacked? This doesn't seem bad at all. I mean, it is North London. One of these victims was Elizabeth Vodewa. The bishop played me an original recording of her experience. And we established that this was the time we both saw where there was a graveyard in front of you and the graves were opening up and people were rising. Shit! People rising from the graves! Elizabeth's boyfriend at the time, Keith McLean, began noticing changes in her. There was an exorcist moment and I was lying in bed and I woke up in the middle of the night and a very deep voice, almost a male voice, came out of her mouth saying, I'm going to bring both of you down. So I was doing a lot of praying. One day I woke up and I went downstairs and there was two lumps on my neck. They weren't lumps, they were like pinholes. I hadn't included the possibility of it being a vampire because I hadn't even thought of that or realised the existence of vampires. 
Well, you would, wouldn't you? She said, I'm going to bring you both down, not, I want to suck your blood. But then, when Bishop Manchester spoke to me and explained about the legions of the undead, thereafter, everything fitted and totally made sense. Did it? Did it really? I believe it was a vampire, yes. I don't have any doubt about that. Okay then. You'd think that Bishop Sean and David would maybe get together and pool their resources. But no, they hated each other. Both of them were appearing on TV and doing newspaper interviews, claiming that they had single-handedly discovered the Highgate Vampire. In fact, Bishop Sean even challenged David to a psychic duel. A psychic duel to the death. It was to take part on Friday the 13th, April 1973. It never happened. And when the bishop started the British Occult Society, David started the British Psychic and Occult Society. While this feud was going on, Bishop Sean was still hunting the Highgate Vampire. David, on the other hand, was arrested for sending police voodoo dolls with threatening messages attached. He was also charged with vandalising the cemetery, and he was sentenced to four years in prison. But what about the vampire? Bishop Sean was able to explain what happened on BBC Radio 1 with Nicky Campbell. But you've seen vampires? Oh yes. How many have you seen? I've come eyeball to deathly eyeball with at least two, possibly three, and many more from a distance perhaps. Wow, eyeball to deathly eyeball. What does a vampire look like? What is a vampire? Let's have a definition. Well, of course, I'm not talking about human beings, living people who are vampiristic in their behavior, who are sometimes referred to as vampiroids. Vampiroids? I've never heard that term before. It sounds more like piles for the undead. Nor am I talking about psychic vampires or bloodlusting psychotics who suffer from a disease which makes them uh, have a sexual thirst for blood. These are all human beings, these are, people who are alive. These yeah. are living people who have a problem, either mental or otherwise. I'm talking about a supernatural entity, a demonic form which is born of the devil. Indeed, the devil is undead. A person, not a person in fact, a being which is neither living nor dead. This is the definition of a vampire. I'm glad he cleared that up. Let's get to the specific Highgate vampire. Well, you have spoken about the famous, or you, what you describe as the famous Highgate vampire. Mm -hmm. Briefly, I know it's a very long and involved story, because uh, I've discussed it with you before, but briefly, what did the Highgate vampire uh, involve and look like? Well, the Highgate vampire, when I first uh, looked upon it in its tomb, in the Lebanon Circle, in the center of uh, the old Highgate Cemetery, looked like um, a several-day-old corpse and um, had in fact been resting for some century or so. Not in Highgate Cemetery, but uh, it had been in the cemetery for a, about a century, but it, it was some centuries older than that. God, he does tend to ramble on a bit. Can you imagine what his sermons would be like? Um, but in fact, it looked like, uh, I suppose, a three-day-old corpse. And... Um, I realised that this wasn't a being as, as, as we know it, either dead or alive. This was a demonic form, a manifestation from the um, 
dark world of uh, the devil. Mm -hmm. Why did you realise that? What made you think it was a vampire and, and not just a three-day-old corpse? Good question. Because it could leave its tomb without displacing anything. It, it could manifest. Did you see it doing that? Um, it was witnessed by many residents, passers-by, by many people in the general area. So that would be no? Um, on one occasion when it was by the north gate and the headlights of a car um, dissolved it, uh, it passed through the, uh, the iron railings with no problem. Um, a corporeal body or a living person can't do these things. Only a supernatural entity can, as it were, metamorphose, right. trans to, 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 transmute and transmogrify. To, and, to, to cut a long story short, you dispatched this to eternal peace. It relocated to a neo-Gothic derelict mansion um, in the same area, and I used the ancient and approved method to release the uh, demon and um, exorcise it properly. Well, what, which, what, 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 what is that? Um, in, in this case, it, it was uh, finally exorcised uh, by the means of cremation, the incineration of fire. Did you put a stake through its heart as well? Yes, to be on the safe side. Then why didn't you say that? Um, as there had been um, previous uh, opportunities which were missed to uh, lay this demon, as it were, cast it out, as of course Christians are asked to do. Mark uh, chapter 16, verse 17, believers shall cast out demons in his name. Um, I uh, wanted to be absolutely certain that the Highgate vampire wouldn't rise again. And did it? Having missed the opportunity once when I viewed it in its tomb. Did it rise again? Not after the exorcism at the Gothic mansion. What no. happened after the cremation? Did it sort of dissolve into some strange miasma? Or? Yes. It uh, very quickly uh, fell into the condition that it ought by right be, which is dust. In front of your very eyes? Yes, and, and what remained was consumed in flames. All right. And this was recorded on film. Um, as there had been um, previous uh, opportunities which were missed to uh, lay this demon, as it were, cast it out, as of course Christians are asked to do, Mark uh, chapter 16, verse 17, believers shall cast out demons in his name. Um, I... Uh, wanted to be absolutely certain that the Highgate vampire wouldn't rise again. And did it? Having missed the opportunity once when I viewed it in its tomb. Did it rise again? Not after the exorcism at the Gothic mansion. What no. happened after the cremation? Did it sort of dissolve into some strange miasma? Or? Yes. It uh, very quickly uh, fell into the condition that it ought by right be, which is dust. In front of your very eyes? Yes, and, and what remained was consumed in flames. All right. And this was recorded on film. It was recorded on film? Let's see it. There is film of this? Yeah, well, panchromatic stills, yes. Asshole! I don't know what a pentachromatic still is, but it's not a fucking film. I know there's not a film out there, because I've been researching this twat all week. Sorry, but... Listening to these idiots for too long gets to you after a while. Not everyone listening to him is happy with what he's doing either. Oh, thank you. Mishenka, where are you calling from with an exotic name like that? <laughs> uh, Essex. 
Oh, not so exotic. Never mind. Uh, what's your question to our vampire expert, the Reverend Sean Manchester? Uh, yes. Um, I'd like to ask, why would he want to um, kill or destroy, as he would probably put it, um, these creatures? They're, um, they're just, like, so fabulous, like unicorns. Why would you want to kill them? Yeah, Sean, they're like unicorns. You wouldn't kill a unicorn, would you? They are demonic entities. They are the devil's undead. And they, they, if, if it can be seen in any form as a soul, it is a tormented soul. And I am releasing the tormented soul to find the peace of true death. Yeah, but um, how do you know that? I mean, you're really you're focusing on the Christian point of view. Of course, I am a Christian. But, um, I mean, vampires are older than Christianity. They are indeed. Yeah, what if vampires are the good guys? Well, I mean, have you actually ever... Um, or, or maybe you don't think it's possible. Do you, have you ever um, talked with a vampire at all? You could talk it out with the vampire instead of running him in with a stake. Um, I've never held a conversation with a demon. I'm too busy trying to protect myself and others from the malignant uh, emanations and they're not, influence. They're not great conversationalists, then? Uh, they don't hold conversations at all. They prey upon yours and my blood are they conscious of you well, i mean did, did, it, did it you said earlier on that it had you eyeball to deathly eyeball it looked at you did it know that you were stalking it down in the way that a predator is conscious yes so when you're eyeball to deathly eyeball there's no time to chat sounds like listeners aren't really convinced with bishop sean's credentials either andy price is on the line good evening andy hiya you're not too frightened, are you? Well, no, not really. <laughs> What's your question? Uh, I would just like to ask the Reverend if he is actually a recognised church cleric, and if he is, does the church commend what he's doing? Ooh! Well, yes, I... Yes, um, I'm an ordained priest in the old Catholic Church, which is both an apostolic and Catholic faith. Not the Roman Catholic Church, then. Right, we've got another caller on the line. It's Graham Wilson. Hello, Graham. Hello. What would I? Um, what would you like to ask the Reverend Sean Manchester? Well, uh, frankly, I don't. Uh, I don't really go along with all this uh, ordained and going back to the first apostle business. Um, I'd like to uh, ask. What do you go along with then? Well, I'd just like to ask the so-called Reverend. Why do you say so-called? Ouch! So-called. I, I think there's a bit of a sort of self... Have you not heard of the old Catholic Church? Sorry? Have you not heard of the old Catholic Church? The old Catholic Church? Yes. If you just let me say what I want to say... I'm just okay, I will go. If I go along to the church, I mean, I'm not a regular churchgoer, but if I do go along on a Sunday, if this is such a great danger, you know, why, why isn't everybody saying, you know, watch out for vampires and everything? He does have a point. Well, I'd have, why, why, I'd have why, thought... Why is it just you that knows about it all of a Well, it isn't just me, of course, because well, the well, greatest authority this century was the Reverend Montague Summers, who was also an old Catholic priest. Well, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't preach in my church. No, because I he's mean... been dead since 1948. That's why. So now it is just Bishop Sean saying this stuff, then? Yes, uh, yes. Well, why aren't people given sort of instructions throughout the church to tell us about this sort of thing if it's all... Well, I could put the question around the other way. Why were they given the instructions for 13 centuries? Well, maybe they thought there was something to be gained from it, like perhaps you do. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you see some sort of... Well, I'll tell you why. Because in Mark chapter 16, verse 17, it says, Believers will cast out demons in my name. The vampire is a yeah. demon and a pariah even amongst demons. Like. Okay, cool, cool. so what are you saying, Graham? 
people can twist around the Bible to say whatever they like, can't you, they? I mean, you, they can say, you know, buy more video recorders by quoting chapter and verse of such Yes, but I'm not saying buy more video no, recorders, am I? I'm saying cast out Okay, hang on. Something much more ridiculous than that. You're saying that, you know, there's a Highgate vampire and we should all watch out for big spiders in the dark and things like that. Wait, we've got to buy more video recorders? Well, that's arguable, I suppose, but Graham, yes. this gentleman here, the Reverend Sean Manchester, ha has seen vampires with his own eyes. He has been eyeball to deathly yeah, eyeball. Well, I've seen pink elephants on occasions, but I don't go on radio and talk about it. Yes, but did those pink elephants attack other people and drain their blood? Well, actually, yes, they did on one or two occasions. Well, I've yes, dealt that, with the victims. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Because I had too much to drink. Thank you very much, Graham. Thank you very much for calling. Well, that went well. Time for one more call. David, uh, is it Marshall? That's right, yes. Hi, David. Where are you calling from? From Belfast. Um, I'm a, a Christian. I believe in the devil, and I believe that Jesus is stronger than the devil. I agree with that. But um, I'm a medical student, and it's uh, some of what um, the reverend, or so-called reverend, is being saying sounds a bit strange. I'm wondering, has he seen or been receiving medical treatment from anyone? I think we've all been waiting for this one. Have I been receiving medical yeah. treatment? No. Um, what's your problem exactly? Just some of the some of the things that uh, you've been saying uh, seem mm -hmm. to be suggestive of uh, various mental illnesses, and I do agree with with um, the principle of I do believe in the devil and so on. But um, just some of the things that you've been saying do sound a bit strange and. Um, well, if you're willing to believe in the mir miracles uh, uh, of saints and saintly people and in uh, beatic vi visions of, uh, for example, the Blessed Virgin, uh, as in Lourdes, um, why not also believe that the devil can manifest uh, demonic supernatural uh, figures um, which are equally awesome? Um, I, I, I mean, once you start believing in God, you must believe in the devil. Once you start believing in angels, you must start believing in demons. David, sure. yeah. do, do, you, do you believe in vampires? I, I don't know, and I, th I think that uh, the, the so-called reverend should see a, a psychiatrist. But this, no, I mean, you can't say that because he has been eyeball to deathly eyeball with at least two, maybe yeah, many more. So I've saw certain schizophrenics that I've talked to. Wow. Yes, but they said that of our Lord when uh, he raised the, the dead in Lazarus and when he changed water into wine and walked on water himself and cured right. lepers and made the blind see. Wouldn't they say the same of people who claimed that they saw that happen? Do you get a lot of people, Sean, who, 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 who point at you and say that you're mad, say that you're a charlatan, say that you're deluded? Um, fewer than you might expect. Uh, fewer people scoff nowadays than once might have done. I'm not sure that went particularly well for so-called Bishop Sean. But we did find out that he destroyed the Highgate vampire, going eyeball to deathly eyeball, and he has film to prove it, but we can't see it. But that isn't where the story ends. The feud between David and Sean continued. Bishop Sean continued to challenge David to psychic duels. David published a series of comic books called The Adventures of Bishop Bonkers, he also made a video which ends with the decapitation of an effigy of Bishop Sean. They both also published books competing with each other with stories about the Highgate Vampire. David Ferrant ran for election in 1978 for the Wicker Workers Party. The manifesto was based on free sex, nudity, restoring the Wiccan creed, 
and giving power to the monarchy and leaving the EU. Like a slightly less crazy Nigel Farage. But the feud did end when David Ferrant died, aged 73, in April of last year. The so-called Bishop Sean is still going strong. Not only does he still claim to be a bishop, he also claims to be a direct descendant of Lord Byron. He has a number of blogs which are mostly there to trash anyone who criticises him. So I guess I might be getting a few emails soon. Episode, Episode 9, nine. The, Highgate the Highgate Vampire, Vampire. The, Epilogue. the Epilogue. So, what have we learnt this week? We learnt that British TV presenters in the 70s were very posh. He armed himself with a cross and stake and crouched between the tombstones waiting. We learnt that some people don't appreciate people protecting them from vampires. But I think they're nutcases, actually. That's my opinion. And we learnt that not everyone is just going to let a fake bishop spout off about this nonsense all the time. I, I don't know, and I, I think that uh, the, the so-called reverend should see a, a psychiatrist. When I started researching the Highgate vampire, it quickly became apparent that there's very little vampire in this story. The more you look at it, it becomes more about two competing idiots making up stuff after some graves and tombs were vandalised, and it just got stupider and stupider. If you enjoy this podcast, then share it with your friends and let me know. Join the Facebook group and the Instagram, and you can email me at idontknowpod at outlook.com. Special thanks to our logo creator, Raymond Roel of Project Raven Creative. See all his links in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and come back next week to find out what I don't know. Jones, we've been waiting for you. Once you come home.